10-year-old Frank, he had looked forward for weeks for this particular Saturday because his father promised him to take him fishing as long as the weather was suitable. You ever had promises with clauses in them? (laughs) The clause was as long as the weather is suitable. There hadn't been any rain for weeks, and that as Saturday approached, Frank was confident that the fishing trip was going to go on. But wouldn't you know it, <laughs> when Saturday morning dawned, the rain heavily poured down. It appeared as if it was going to continue all day. Frank wandered around the house. Now, this is an eight-year-old, y'all. You know how they are. He was just peering out the window, grumbling more than just a little bit. Seems like the Lord would know that it would have been better for it to have rained yesterday than today. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I remember saying things like that when I was playing baseball. <laughs> we had a game and it seemed like, ah, it's, it's going to rain us out. He come. He, Frank would complain to his dad and his dad just sitting at the fireplace enjoying a book. His father tried to explain to him, no matter how badly you want to go fishing, we really need this rain. It makes the flowers grow. It gives much needed moisture to the fields for the farmers. But this eight-year-old, <laughs> he didn't want to hear it. He says, it's just, it just isn't right. He said it over and over and over. Then about three o'clock that afternoon, the rain stopped. There was still time to go fishing, so quickly they loaded up their gear and they headed off to the lake. And whether it was the rain or for some other reason, the fish were biting hungrily. The father and son returned with a full string of fine, big fish. At supper... When some of the fish were ready, Frank's mom asked him to say grace. Frank did, and he concluded the prayer saying this. And Lord, if I sounded grumpy earlier today, it was because I couldn't see far enough ahead. How many of us have ever been where Frank was at? Frustrated because of what was going on. Some of you may have been behind a vehicle going 10 miles slower than you were planning to go on the way here. And you're grumbling. Why can't they? And it seemed like every time you tried to go around him, a car was coming and you couldn't. That's never happened to y'all, has it? Happens to me often. Sometimes we just can't see far enough ahead. We don't see the danger that God is sparing us from, or we don't see the blessing that he has for us if we'll just be patient. We don't see far enough ahead. So we try to live our lives in this world the way we want to live them because we're not looking far enough ahead. Verse 26 says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I guess my question is, are we looking ahead till he comes? Are we looking far enough ahead to know that he is coming? God, we thank you for this day you've given us. We thank you for this time together in worship. We thank you, God, for instituting these two ordinances that become the center of this service today. Help us, God. Help us, God, to continue to worship you. Help us to be grateful. Help us to be open, God, to looking ahead and seeing the gravity of what this means. As you open our hearts and minds, God, we pray that you're glorified in everything that takes place in our lives from this day forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we've shared on multiple occasions that we recognize as Baptists two ordinances that Jesus instituted. First ordinance we, we believed that he instituted was baptism. Second ordinance we believe he instituted was Lord's Supper. And today we have the blessing to partake in both. The last time we shared that the Lord's Supper is, has given us the opportunity for spiritual growth, but only if we approach it correctly. This was a problem for the church in Corinth. Due to their sinful behavior when observing the Lord's Supper, some face God's chastisement. You know, as a born-again believer, you may be escaped the penalty of your sin. Because when he died, he died for all our sin. And, and, you know, the Greek word for all is all. All sin. Past, present, future. He died for all sin. He didn't limit the, 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 his deaths. He didn't limit what his death would do. It covered all sin. But as believers, you know, we're still living in this world and we're still living in flesh and we still have this propensity for sin. And, and because of that, when we face his sin or we, or we commit sin and we face him without confessing our sin, we have chastisement coming our way. Uh, many of you experienced discipline from mom and dad growing up. You probably felt like it was punishment, but it was discipline because it was geared to correct you, to make you better, not to destroy you. That's what penalty for sin is. It's meant to destroy you. God has taken that away from us. That's what sin does. It destroys us. So Jesus died in our place so we wouldn't have to face that penalty. We wouldn't have to be destroyed. Now, yes, we face chastisement for sin. We're broken people living in a broken world. And we will be because he loves us, he chastens those whom he loves. Because he wants to correct us. He wants to make us better. We have to decide if we're going to get bitter over this. Paul shared that because some were approaching the table unworthy, they were facing God's chastisement. Many were weak. Many were sick. He even shared that many died because they faced 
or they approach the table unworthy. So the question must be, how do we approach the table in a a worthy manner? Well, in January, we shared that we approach the table in a worthy manner by first looking back. This, This table reminds us to look back to see what actually took place. The greatest act of love was demonstrated in that Jesus, he lived a sinless life and and he he died for your sin and my sin even though he didn't deserve to take upon our penalty. In April, we shared that we could approach the table worthy or in a worthy manner when we look back, when we look around. Not just look back, but look around. Observing the Lord's Supper is to enter into the presence of the one who lived, died, and was raised from the dead by the power of God. And now he lives forevermore. So when we come to the Lord's table, we look around to see a fellowship of believers who have come to commune with God. However, if we're going to approach the Lord's table worthy, worthy, we can't just look back and look around. We also must look ahead. What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, right here in verse 26, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Till he comes. Jesus spoke of his coming kingdom. He was preparing his disciples for what was coming ahead. He they didn't fully understand what Jesus was telling them, but they were faithful. Jesus is coming again. Y'all, you believe that? I wonder sometime by the way we live our lives, and I'm not speaking of Reedy Branch, we all live our lives just right, but, but I just wonder how if believers truly believe that Jesus is coming back. I'm not, I mean, the world, they, they must not believe it because they won't receive him. But I'm talking about those who believe, those who profess to be born again believers. Do you believe that Jesus could come back at any moment? Then the question is, why isn't this place full? Why isn't every church, if, if, like I said, I know y'all believe, why, if, if every Christian in the world today, truly believed Jesus was, could come back right now, do you think there'd be an urgency to live for him and to obey him? Uh, <laughs> I think there would. You know, God's word declares he's, he's coming again. Y'all know that, don't you? While we may never understand just how or when he's coming, we can be sure that he's coming. We can be sure because Jesus tells us in John 14, 1 through 3, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house were many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus promised us he's coming back. In Acts 1, we understand at the beginning that Jesus is finishing up with his disciples. And there in verses 9 and 10, it tells us that Jesus, after speaking to his disciples, they watched him as he was taken up in a cloud and he was received out of their side. They, They were looking 
And then all of a sudden, two men dressed in white appeared. And these two men said in verse 11, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come again in like manner as you, as you saw him go into heaven. Now understand, these men, they were messengers of God. You didn't hear that. It went over your head, didn't it? These men were messengers of God. So the message they shared was God's word to these boys. So Jesus has declared he's coming back. And now God declares he's coming back. When we partake in the Lord's Supper, we are to remember that he's coming back. We have the promise of his return. So let's be ready for his return by accepting the finished work of Christ on the cross. And let's be faithful in serving him. So let me ask this question. Are we looking ahead to Jesus coming again? Some would say yes, but I, I, I need to ask if you're looking ahead, are you living in light of his coming again? Maybe I, maybe I need to say it this way. Are we living our lives as if he could come right now? I'm not asking are you prepared to go? If you've been saved and your name's been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're prepared to go. My question is, if Jesus come back today, how would he find us? Would he find that we're a stumbling block to weaker Christians or to unbelievers? When I was younger, on some Saturday mornings, my dad would have some things to do, and if he needed to leave, he would often say, have the grass cut before I get home. What I learned real early, don't wait till he's pulling in the driveway coming home to start cutting the grass. As he was pulling out, I was getting a lawnmower. Because he didn't tell me when he was coming back. He just said, I'm coming back. So I wanted to make sure I had done what I was told to do before he come back. Are you getting this? Somebody should have shouted right then. Jesus has told us, God has told us, he will come again. He has told us to be the light of the world. He has told us to be the salt of the earth. He has told us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. He has told us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. He's told us to go and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that he has taught us. He's told us not to grumble. He's told us not to backbite. He's told us not to judge one another. He's told us not to worry. He's told us to trust him and to be faithful in all that we do. He's told us that in everything that we do, do it as if we're doing it for him. So the question has to be, again, if he come today, 
how would he find us? Will he find us looking ahead to his return by the way we are living our lives? Will he find, will he find us living our lives in, in light of the fact that he's coming again? So the real question is, do we? Does our lives show that we believe he could come anytime? I pray that it is. As a church and as individuals, that our lives are lived out as if, if he would come again, I know he's going to find me about his business. I don't know. That's a personal question on a day that, that we have to do a personal assessment so that we can come to this table. You know, the Tylers, they sing a song from time to time, my favorite song of Shirley Caesar's. And the word says, I'm keeping my lamps all trimmed and my fire burning bright. So I can leave this old sinful world if Jesus comes tonight. I don't want to be left behind in this old sinful place. That's why I'm watching and praying, seeking the Lord, running and making haste. Because I know he's coming back. I know he's coming back. And I don't want to stay here. I don't want to stay here. He said he's coming back. He said he's coming back. And I don't want to stay here. I don't want to stay here. Yesterday, heaven becomes sweeter than it's ever been. I don't know what Brother Bruce meant to you. I know what he meant to me. And I don't want to stay here. When he comes, I'm going to be with him. Brother Brian, this is temporary. Everything we're doing is temporary. Because one day, those of us who know Jesus will be around the throne of God to never be separated again. I know he's coming back. And because I know that I must be about my father's business. Oh, folks. We must look ahead till he returns because he's coming. So every head's bowed, every eye's closed. There may be someone here today who's not prepared for him to come back. Maybe there's someone here that if Jesus were to come today, you would be left. Maybe there's someone here who wouldn't be left, but you, you know that if he came and received you today, You haven't lived the way he would have you to live. I want you to know he's coming. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you believe he is the Son of God, and that he died for your sin, and he rose from the grave, if you're willing to surrender your life to him, 
and proclaim him in this dark world as your Lord and Savior. Today, you can be prepared for his return. And you can sit at this table. He's knocking on somebody's heart's door. He's asking, let me come in and I'll sup with you. And you can sup with me. He won't beat the door down. He's just knocking. Are you willing today? Are you willing to open the door of your heart and let him in? Are you looking far enough ahead to know that he's coming back? And it'll be sooner than it has, than it will be later. I don't know when it'll be. I just know he's coming. Are you ready today to open the door and let him in? He's ready to change your life. He's ready to give you new life. Well, preacher, I need to get, you don't need to get anything straight. You just need to surrender to him and let him straighten it out.